Welcome to Soul Essence Wellness Center's podcast, a podcast to help you connect with your highest self that features episodes combining psychology, spirituality, and energy healing. Please welcome your host, Zandra Haas, a spiritual wellness coach, psychotherapist, and psychic medium in Boulder, Colorado. are back dun 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 <laughs> i'm sorry that it's been so long since i've uh since i've been away over here i've just been crazy busy balancing my psychotherapy business balancing the psychic medium all the root medicine energy medicine stuff that i teach if you've been following along for a while on the podcast or the youtube videos things like that there's some really cool things coming in so I have a online course that a lot of folks just finished going through and it is brilliant stuff, guys. So I do a lot of one-on-one work with people, but this online course is just flooded with so many different gifts and tools and it's really changing people's lives. So the first cohort went through that process and then I'm going to be opening it up here in a couple months after I get all the kind of technical stuff worked out and moving it to a different platform and makes it even easier to use. So stay tuned for all of that piece, but I'm excited to be back. I'm so excited to be back. I love making the podcast, the YouTube videos. It brings me a lot of joy and it's I don't know if you all have practices like this, but it's very cathartic for me. There's a lot of information in there, and I like weaving so many things together. And so it's really, really sweet. I run a really high kind of color sort of frequency, and then I just let it come through, let it happen. So you're going to get a little bit of that today. I think technically it might be season four. It's so funny in the podcast world because like, any other like sport or something, a season is a certain amount. And with a podcast, you can decide how many episodes are in a season. So I think like the first season is five, second season's like six or seven. The last one, maybe it's like three. I have no idea. I'm usually pretty organized, but podcasting is kind of fun and sweet and such a cool resource to offer people and to give um, folks an opportunity to think about different topics. So today, oh man, when I was thinking about coming back, and again, my hope is to be able to do a podcast about once a month. I can't do it every other week or week just because I'm a little busy on that front. But when I was coming back in, I was just thinking about what's really happening, right? What's really alive? And there's been so much, I guess, over the last few years with so many changes and people going through different things, career switches, family switches, moving, you know, all those things. And the concept of spiritual bypassing has come in really, really big for a lot of people. It's getting kind of to be coined term certain way. So my hope today is to really share a lot around spiritual materialism, spiritual bypassing, kind of explain the differences in that, and also sort of this polarity that's sort of happening where it's either your spiritual bypassing, right, on one end of the spectrum, or there's this sense of science-based realism, um, sort of really down into realism being 
you take things at face value, sort of this reality, like you only sort of accept what's in the present, which you can see with your own eyes, sort of in a way. So I'm going to be weaving and looking at those things and you can kind of check in where you feel like you are on the spectrum. In terms of your own spiritual practices, a lot of people are going through awakenings and there is certain signs and symptoms that tend to come in when you're opening to certain things. And a lot of it depends on how you handle it with the soup that you're in. And being in the United States, having a spiritual awakening can actually be really overwhelming in a consumeristic base culture where everything is an eye. So I'm also going to bring in a little bit of Brene Brown in here. You can kind of laugh with me on this, the screen that's behind me um, that I put there's a carpet underneath it, so it's a little uneven when I set it up, and I need a couple books on one side to kind of balance it, and I just bought two Brene Brown books, actually, so one side of the screen is like being held up, it's really hilarious, by these two Brene Brown books, but it feels so symbolic, structurally, why? Like, like Brene Brown's like holding the container, or like holding the background, like she's got my back, it's really, it's kind of funny, so you can laugh at me, uh, or laugh with me around that kind of metaphor for this podcast. So anyway, where to start with this? Maybe I'll start a little bit on more of the framework piece. So spiritual bypassing, that's actually been a term that's happened, I want to say in the 80s, maybe the mid 80s, and it's by John Wellwood. And so he is definitely more in the Buddhist sort of community around like Buddhist, but also psychology. And it has a lot to do, the definition of spiritual bypassing, it's pretty simple. It's really like sidestepping certain emotions, certain issues, certain experiences by just explaining it with a sort of a spiritual context. In some way, it's not, there's this sense that you can use spirituality to not touch into certain things or just kind of act like it doesn't matter. In a way. So he coined it in a way where people sort of use it as a way to not be embodied with what's really happening, what's really, really going on. Spiritual materialism, on the other hand, was coined by Chogyam Trupa. I always say his name kind of funny. Chogyam, C-H-O-G-Y-A-M, Chogyam Trungpa. Um, and he sort of brought it in, I want to say also, I can't remember what book it's in, but it might be 70 or 80s kind of area as well. And spiritual materialism has really a lot to do with ego. And a lot of this sense that when we start having a spiritual experience, we can materialize it. There's this sense of needing to own spirituality, certain items or certain identities. So, right, like even when a spiritual awakening has happened, ego tries to control it or to own it in a way, which is also sort of grasping. Right? So you can have a spiritual identity, but actually be reinforcing that through spiritual materialism. Right? So that, and again, it's really the context. It's the, sort of the spiritual shadow in a way of how you're holding that spiritual awareness. And Buddhism has a lot to say about this. And I think the terms are actually pretty similar. Right, Spiritual materialism, this consumeristic, this I sort of piece. And then spiritual bypassing, again, it's this not this true sense of deeply embodiment sort of in a way. So I'm going to start here around the spiritual bypassing. I think that's a little bit more of a term that's being popularized kind of in pop culture. And it's interesting because especially with COVID and a lot of the um, different perspectives on what COVID is or all those pieces, and I'm not going to go into the political spectrum, that term has really been coming up around spiritually explaining away difficult circumstances. 
And I think there's something really, really important about noting that spiritual experiences and really having a spiritual identity and being able to look at things with more neutrality and sort of an energy perspective is actually a strength, right? So if someone is going through a difficult sort of breakup, right, and someone's able to find meaning and purpose, say they're like, you know, this is happening, and they're able to kind of tune in and say, I think it's happening for a reason, right? Some people could say that's spiritual bypassing. That's not actually being present. But if that person is really experiencing that awareness, that knowing in the body, right? Because we're souls in a body having a human experience. It's not actually spiritually bypassing in a way. So spiritually bypassing is not being present with the emotional tone of what's happening. And a lot of times spiritual bypassing is the ego's way of trying to avoid certain things. And so you can actually hold a spiritual perspective on something, whether that's meaning, whether that's synchronicities, whether it's more of a feeling. I think a lot of our spiritual experiences come through in our feeling. They come through sort of the right brain, the right temporal lobe. There's this way that you can't necessarily calculate spiritual energy because it's more of an essence in a way. And maybe uh, some astrophysicists might sort of disagree. Sometimes it's fun to play with the spiritual theories and then sort of the physics world can actually prove those things. That's not my, that's not the life I have to be able to do that in this one, but there's something big about being able to be embodied, really rooted into yourself, and also sense into the greater spiritual energies that are helping us learn. So if we consider that perhaps we're a soul that goes through multiple lives, and this is a school, and sometimes it's really painful, you can actually hold an energetic perspective, especially my empaths and my sensitive folks that take on energy all the time. We don't want to just be like, oh, the energy that's difficult in my space is someone else's energy. I'm just going to spiritually bypass my experience and, you know, point it at someone else or say it's someone else's. To me, there's a sense of not being able to trust feeling deeply into that feeling. So we actually want to build the capacity to feel into our emotions, but with neutrality and sovereignty. And that's where a lot of the Buddhist perspective sort of comes into having a spiritual identity that we don't need to cling to, right? That we don't need to use as like a life jacket of like, oh my God, I don't know how to get through this experience. I'm just going to sort of give my power over to sort of explaining it away and kind of dissociating with sort of a spiritual lens because, right, it's soul and body, it's physical matter and sort of the essence, more of the cosmic experience. So we really want to honor both. So as someone, again, spiritual bypassing might look like, I mean, to be honest with you, spiritual bypassing for me, I see it the most kind of more in the coaching realm. There's a lot more people coming out and using their pain pictures and their experiences and saying, I'm going to coach people through this because I've been through it, right? So all of us coaches, things that we offer, those are all things that we've gone through. There's always this sense that someone who's teaching you about something like is just really, really good at it. And it's like, actually, they've been really bad at it. They haven't been good at it at all. And that's why they've healed through that. And that's why they're such a trusted authority on the subject, because they've kind of been through hell and back with it. And they're able to step into it and to see you with deep compassion and honoring in a way. So any coach that's trying to teach you something, a lot of times that's their medicine. Otherwise, they wouldn't have compassion. They wouldn't have deep knowledge. They wouldn't have deep passion. It'd be kind of weird to just try to teach someone something that that you had no experience with or that you're just naturally good at. Most people don't find purpose in that, right? A lot of people that choose careers where they're just really good at something, you know, people will be like, I'm good at it. I make money. You know, it's a good 
thing, but they're not inspired because they don't feel like they're helping. You know, in the words of Brene Brown, we're wired for connection. And so sometimes vulnerability and going through hard things or shame or guilt or healing these things actually allows us to have meaning and purpose, what she calls wholehearted living, right? So in terms of spiritual bypassing, folks that may be using that, again, sometimes it comes up in the coaching world. A lot of times I see it around like, Money abundance kind of thing, especially around money, which is interesting in our consumeristic culture. It's all this way of like money is an energy, money is abundant, or sometimes there can be shaming around just like you should be able to manifest everything that you want, right? It's you that's blocking the way. And so if we take that concept, right, like we can manifest everything we want, there's kind of this sense of miracle energy. And Michael Tamora talks about this, that miracle energy is this deep healing frequency. And to me, miracle energy or being able to manifest what you want also comes with a sense of neutrality. A lot of times our consumeristic culture, like I should be able to manifest what I want. I should be able to have this. And it's like, yes, right? Maybe there's an openness or an awareness or a sense of being worthy of those things. So Again, I'm going on a little bit of tangents here, but sometimes this sort of spiritual bypassing or this way that if there's a problem in your life, it's because you're blocking it energetically. You know, and sometimes this can come up in a really shaming way around illness or physical health. Sometimes people work on health for decades, and sometimes those are really important and also really difficult learning points. And so sometimes spiritual bypassing can come up from people that actually are working with a deep ache and someone says, oh, well, you know, how could you do this differently, right? They're sort of bringing that guilt or that shame in a way. It doesn't feel like it sees people. So true spirituality, true essence, true holding those frequencies comes from one thing, which is deep love and compassion. And a second thing, which is neutrality. Again, neutrality and this ability to not control things allows deep energy and healing to come towards you when you don't have so many preferences and you don't shame or guilt yourself. Brene Brown talks about shame is I am not enough and guilt is what I did is not enough. And so sometimes there can be a way that we actually hurt our ability to be in a spiritual awareness of abundance where we say, I'm worthy and I'm loved and I'm enough and I would love for this to happen and I'm going to do my best, but I'm not going to shame myself to get there. I'm not going to guilt myself. And again, that's where spiritual bypassing can come in, in a way. We sort of can say that we're guilty or that we're not enough. Sometimes ego likes to cling on to that spiritual identity as a way to also feel really important, but it's also a way to shame ourselves. So again, tangenting off a little bit in terms of spiritual bypassing, but the body really, when we're on a spiritual healing journey, a lot of times we have to feel what's stuck in the body, right? A lot of times emotions get stuck in different parts of the body. Right? Like I tend to be a person that even when I'm speaking right now, I can feel some of the muscles in the back of my head and my neck are a little bit more tense. And again, I'm using my voice, I'm using my hands, right? Certain muscles are lighting up. But in general, I grew up with this kind of sense of having to protect myself a little bit, being super sensitive. There was always this sense of like, oh, I can't really relax and always trust because there was this sense of like, I'm really porous. I feel a lot. I have to kind of protect myself, right? So with that kind of energy 
And with that kind of like muscular pattern that I've created, right, in the fascia and all that kind of stuff, there is a sense of probably some of those emotions sitting in there. So I have to go to body workers, right? I have to breathe. I have to do my energy practices. And sometimes uncomfortable feelings come up. But it doesn't mean that I'm not enough in any sort of way, right? It doesn't mean that... You know, I need to just explain it away and say, oh, in a past life, this happened. Perhaps it did, but it's like, what's happening here? And how can we work with that? Boom. Okay. Chapter one. So we've got a sense of spiritual bypassing, how it shows up in the community sometimes, maybe where certain topics you see it in, and also sometimes where spiritual bypassing comes out because of usually folks feeling missed, not offering compassion to people, and also the sense of trying to control right? Or this sense of not being able to feel into or not being resourced enough to tap into some of the greater aches sort of in our space here, right? So we've got, again, spiritual bypassing. We talked a little bit about spiritual materialism. However, so again, coming back, Chogyam Trumpa in, I wish I remembered like what book it was in in the 80s, maybe Great Eastern Sun, something like that. But Basically, his sort of perspective, and it's very controversial if you know anything about Trungpa and his sort of, sort of what they call it, crazy wisdom. In a way, one might say that he actually, maybe that's what he was working through. Maybe that's why he was able to coin it, right? So this sense of whatever we're working through becomes our medicine. So maybe that's why he uh, was a teacher in one of the spiritual materialistic areas in that way. But spiritual materialism has a lot to do with really gripping on to certain materialistic things to reinforce a spiritual identity, right? So like, I have a lot of compassion for this area, again, especially in the US, because a lot of folks feel really disconnected from a spiritual identity in terms of lineage, in terms of family system, in terms of rituals, in terms of connecting with the earth. There's a lot of folks that immigrant-wise came here a long time ago. And when I say a long time ago, I mean, you know, 100 years, 200 years, 300 years. And there's kind of an indoctrination a little bit in the United States. You know, we do a few cutesy little projects in like sixth grade, like write out your family tree, you know, bring a recipe from grandma. You know, we do that kind of stuff. But a lot of the vessels that are older that have that information, especially with technology and quick and fast and kind of listening skills and storytelling and all of that, a lot of that has been really dwindling. And even for myself and my family system, on one side of the family, there was a lot of pride in terms of starting over and coming here. And unfortunately, there's different things on sides of the family where we don't actually have information, right? So unfortunately, on one side of my family, there's actually sexual assault and rape that happened to my great-great-grandmother. So I don't know anything about her. We don't know who the father, right, energy is. So there's this sense of like, ooh, I don't even know sometimes my lineage, right? I don't know where this person came from. I don't know this kind of stuff. So a lot of us feel a little bit like orphans. At least that was my experience. I felt really connected with earth. I felt really sensitive and felt like I could feel into a lot of things, but I didn't have this like little map of like, hey, you came from here and these are certain rituals or these are certain things passed down. So for a lot of folks, when they start having a spiritual awakening, sometimes that can come through meditation. Sometimes that can come through a dream. Sometimes there's this sense of people doing breath work or perhaps they get a psychic reading. Maybe it's through certain um, nature practices. Something starts opening and they start feeling their energy. There's this sense of more, synchronicities, numbers, 
animals come in. There's just certain meanings or a deeper sense of living. And there's curiosity about that. So again, as humans, we're curious creatures. We like want a map. We're like, what do I do with this? How do I ground this in? How do I trust this? A lot of folks, when they're opening up their psychic abilities, there's this sense of believability around like, how do I know if I'm making it up? And if you're curious about that, I did a podcast around that sort of even question. Am am I making it up? Kind of thing. So you can check in on that as well. But a lot of times spiritual materialism comes from this sense of looking for a map and its ego sense of trying to make sense of an energy that's working through us. So it's this beautiful energy that's coming through this awareness, this ability to sense or see certain things. And ego is like, ah, I don't know what to do. We need roots. Like, let's ground into this, right? So it's, it's interesting as a spiritual awakening happens, if you're clinging to that spiritual identity, there's also a materialism. It's kind of the undershadow of the ego sort of coming into, right? Kind of like the, like a fractal, right? Or like the inception like in, inside of that process. But it's actually really natural to have that because you're looking for a map right? You're looking for something to help you understand it. And that's okay. But sometimes in the process, people accidentally do a lot of harm. And that's to other cultures. That's, that's when it comes out from the consumeristic piece. Like in our culture, if you want to be something, go buy it, right? If you want to look more like this, if you want to come off more like this, go buy something, right? Which isn't true at all. But sometimes we're programmed that that's how we develop. That's how we become something new. That's how we reinforce an identity sort of piece. So Spiritual bypassing, sorry, spiritual materialism, they're so, they're so similar to me, but spiritual materialism can be this sense of, you know, like when I started opening up sort of spirituality, I'd read something and someone's like, oh, malas are away, the sacred 108 number and praying with them can really shift this and you go, oh, wow, like I want to transform. So I'm going to wear 12 malas, right? I'm going to be obsessed with this certain crystal. And maybe I've made fun of myself in other videos. Like I learned that moonstone was this like psychic stone, this beautiful white kind of like, you know, aurora borealis kind of energy inside of it. And so I just draped myself, right? I, I I don't have my moonstone ring on at the moment, but I was just like, oh my gosh, must be more psychic, right? Like must have this big spiritual energy. But it was my ego being like, I don't know what to do with this energy. Like, how do I feel enough in it, right? So how do I like magnetize it or how do I come off, right? Like trying to rock the Janus Joplin kind of like hippy dippy look at the same time. I looked good, you know, but definitely not confident (laughs) when this started coming through. So it's like the ego is trying to make sense. And sometimes it like digs into other cultural beliefs based off of the results. So the ego is always like, well, what does this get me, right? Or where are we going to end up? So when people read something that's like, oh, do you know that doing this results in this? It's like, oh, well, I want that result. So I'm just going to copy that piece. And again, sometimes that can be really, really harmful to certain cultures that have had these really deep, in-depth, loving self-work practices. Like I can't tell you how many folks I know that are really drawn to the idea of ayahuasca. They're drawn to this like healing, transformative, you know, like intergalactic, interstellar, almost like experience that comes through. And sometimes I've talked to folks about it and I'm just like, you realize it's purging. Like you realize that the body is actually purging a lot of the shadow pieces that are getting in the way of you being your true self. It's not this like magical fairy experience. I mean, sometimes there's levels of bliss or joy. I've gone on a lot of different journeys with that and they're all different. But there's this sense of clinging on to the result and saying like, I want that, that's me, which is just ego, right? Not feeling enough. It's ego saying, I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy. How do we make a map? How do we grasp this, 
right? So there can be a lot of harm when we look at certain spiritual practices and we say, I want that result and we cling to it so intensely and then we can spiritually bypass, right? We can actually bypass our own emotional difficult experiences that are naturally going to happen. But that's where Buddhist practice is around neutrality, around really connecting in with the deeper soul, right? The deeper sense of essence that loves us, that knows we're enough, that knows our own divinity and our care, and also sees every other single person in the same way. So again, there you have to have a deep sense of, I am so worthy and loved, and everyone else around me is also deep, deeply worthy and loved. There's a sense of neutrality. And so deep soul practices, deep spirituality, like I said, has compassion, it has deep love, it has neutrality, allows people to be who they are. And that's why I have so much deep compassion when people are moving into spirituality. And maybe they lean a little bit into bypassing, right? Because there's this sense of trying to understand different energies. And there is some wisdom, right? To not having to take things so seriously. Sometimes realism doesn't actually witness that we also don't have to work so hard for things, that we're worthy and that we're lovable and that things are going to be okay. It almost gets stuck in the mud. So you have these polarities, right? This like realism, like don't bypass anything. You should be right here in your pain, right? Like, (laughs) which is so funny because like on a reality spectrum, like our reality is different from everyone else's, even different animals, the different energies that we see. So sort of this realism of like, we should only believe what's right here also feels very ego in a way, like my reality is right. I don't know where that accent came in, but so you have that, right? Like the realism perspective, and then you have the spiritual bypassing, these polarities and the spiritual materialism. And so it's like, what's in the middle? Like, what's the way to deeply honor and embody and know when we're going through pain to really let it through, to have practices that really honor us? And then at the same time, like, how do we also zoom out, right? How do we actually get perspective and clarity that we don't actually always have to work so hard, right? I think I talk about this a lot in podcasts. I grew up in like a family system where the grit and the working really hard is really, really normalized. It's definitely this deep sense of like your worthiness is based off of those things. And so sometimes I have a picture around that kind of stuff. So I am going to bring in the amazing Brene Brown here. And I've been reading, I love just reading her books. It's one of those like transmissions where I read her books at different times in my life and different things will pop out and I'll underline in different colors so I can tell where I am in terms of my process or what information lights me up. Really cool habit if there's a book you like. If you read it once a year and you underline and maybe you underline the same sentence like three times and you're like, whew, life quote right here, right? Versus other times you're like, whoa, I didn't see that at all. And like, this is really lighting me up. Kind of a fun thing to do. But she's talking about how a lot of folks that enter wholehearted living have a half like glass full mentality. They have a sense of believing that people are doing their best, even if they're doing harm, right? There's this sense of like with the awareness knowledge and understanding they have at that time, they're doing their best. And a lot of times there's this sense of like, it's a we mentality. So in Buddhism, there's a lot of different levels when you start 
understanding your own spiritual essence and you stop clinging to sort of some of the reality-based ego sort of ways of calculating things. And a lot of times it starts with the I. We always start with the I because it's I, this it's this first person experience a lot of the time. But after we start grounding in and we start becoming more clear and a lot more neutral and a lot more loving in our space, we can start to see other people more clearly because we're not so hyper-focused in on this whole vessel, right? It's like, ooh, this is taken care of. I'm gonna look outside of myself now. So then it starts becoming a we of like, how are we sort of like, uh, like interacting together, right? How am I impacting this person and how can I show up more fully in sort of this way of seeing the world and seeing our lives as connected, and then the last part becomes not, not just we, but all of us. It's me, it's at this other person, not just people I love, but everyone. How do we have this wholehearted sense of living? How do we take vulnerable risks? How do we show up with that deep love and care? One thing I notice in the more psychology, psychotherapist community, and even from a lot of people that I see, the term narcissism is getting tossed around a lot around like my mom might be narcissistic or, you know... And it was interesting because I've been feeling that and I've been seeing a lot of people say that. And I'm like, is that true? That like a lot more people are diagnostically, right, identifying in that way or could be put under or just have traits of that kind of disorder in a way. And I loved Brene Brown. I was reading the other day and I was like, ah, here it is. Magic. She was explaining that a lot of our culture is turning from the us and the they, right? Or the we and the they into the I. And so a lot of people are just thinking about their first person experience. And there's a lot more pressure. There's a lot more shame. There's a lot more internal desire that we have to be special in order to be worthy. And with consumerism and technology, there's this emphasis in social media that you can't be like mediocre, right? That there's this competition energy always running, which is the opposite of spirituality and knowing you're worthy and lovable. And she also talks about how there's a study where, and, and I don't know the time frame, I'm giving you the gist of it, but like they went through and did a study on hundreds and hundreds of songs in different genres and the exact sort of words and like pronouns and things like that in those. And there is a massive shift between older songs having we, them, they, all of us, to now it's me and I, right? So people growing up that are even listening to music, everything is the I and the me. So it's like you're not actually being programmed to consider this deep connection that we're all wired for, which to me, when you're deeply in that spiritual compassion and the love, it's never just I. The I starts to fade. So a lot of the spiritual materialism, a lot of the spiritual bypassing, in a way, it's a lack of we and they. It's a lack of our realizing our interconnectedness. It's a lot of shame and guilt and this deep sense of ego trying to overcontrol things, this lack of neutrality in a way. For me, neutrality doesn't mean apathy. Neutrality means I'm able to see everything that's going on and I'm also able to be in deep love and I trust myself enough to know that it's going to be okay, that it's going to work out. And it doesn't mean we just sit back and bypass some of the really difficult things happening in the world. It means that we stand up and we speak to things, but from a loving place where we're not trying to harm other people and we're not just so overwhelmed that it's like, oh, well, someone else will take care of it. Spiritual bypassing to me 
and spiritual materialism away are a deep sense of not having a strong root system. It's not being able to fully be in the body because it's magic. Like being able to access yourself as a spirit and feel that bright inner light energy and also feeling into the body and going, oh, like I'm safe and I'm loved. It's like a blanket around us. It's this sense of like, wow, I can act in this physical world and do things. Sometimes I help clients when they feel overwhelmed and stressed out and they say, I have to do these things. I'm like, what if we change that to I get to? I get to go to work today and buy things that I really like, right? On a consumeristic level. I get to practice making art. I get to practice, right? Being able to speak in essence in me and share it with you. Like what? What a treat. Like what an amazing way that I get to connect with you and you get to connect with me. We get to do that together. You have time right now to hear or to listen to this, hopefully. (laughs) You know, we get to have that together. It's not about you or me. It's about us, right? And our healing journeys together. So anyway, I know sometimes when I listen back to my podcast, I'm like, oh man, you know, like halfway through, I think people probably are like, this is too much (laughs) energetically, but I'm a weaver. So please forgive me where I'm bringing all this stuff in. I hope it makes sense to you in a way. So the reason I bring also all of this up as well is I help a lot of people get to that next chapter, right? Like I help people that have these spiritual awakenings and they're like, what do I do with this? You know, how do I work with this energy? How do I not cling? How do I work with the fear that naturally comes up? I have blogs and other podcasts about like, how do you work with fear that naturally comes up as you start delving into spirituality? It's not actually your fear. That's ego's fear. That's the programming that you might be crazy or that you might be making it up. Or there's this sense of certainty sometimes that the ego wants and it creates a lot of energy. A lot of your thoughts can come in around like, oh, I don't know this. And then it communicates in your vagus nerve, right? And it's like all of a sudden you have a stomach ache or there's their nausea feeling. Like it's it's crazy how interconnected we are in terms of like how fear happens. And a lot of times fear actually can feel a lot like grief as well. So sometimes when a spiritual identity is coming through, there's grief because we realize that old programming about who we thought we were or patterns or pictures or labels, we don't have to be defined by them. And I don't think that's spiritual bypassing. I think there's a lot of healing that comes from knowing your own goodness and realizing that the way that people have mirrored you might have been wrong, right? That your reality, that realism says you're supposed to fully trust, isn't actually everyone else's reality. And there's a way to not take those things so personally and redefine yourself by that core essence and that core knowing. And so you tap into those things through your beautiful body, through this vessel, through enjoying it, through loving it, right? Bridging earth and sky, spirit and body, it's important here. If you're able to bridge spirit and body and not get stuck so fully in either of them, it's that middle way point, meeting in the heart space, you will be able to live with deep compassion and awareness and caring about other people and being involved, but you will also be able to hold deep boundaries, respecting yourself, also not taking things too personally, letting other people off the hook, right? Thank you for listening to me today. Again, feel free to check out my website, soulessencewellnesscenter.com for all different resources, blogs, YouTube videos, podcasts. I'm on a lot of different podcasts as well, spiritual podcasts, sometimes psychology-based podcasts. So I'll meet you in a lot of different places. Have such a beautiful day, a beautiful week. I saw a sticker the other day on the back of a truck that says, I hope that something good happens 
for you today. And I really hope that for you too. Thanks for joining us this week on Soul Essence Wellness Center's podcast. Make sure to visit Zandra's website, soulessencewellnesscenter.com to find more resources about how to transform your life. Zandra is available for private coaching, energy healings, psychic readings, and much more.